Unless you've made a serious mistake, you are currently listening to a free excerpt of the committee program with me, Arun Chaudhry. Our show contains lots more global politics, and you can become a member at fans.fm slash committee to receive our full YouTube show, audio, plus other exclusive content. That's fans.fm slash committee. And be sure to check out our YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Namiki Konst YouTube channel. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to the committee program. I'm your host, Arun Chaudhary. And on the show, we said we were going to be trying new segments, especially in culture, movie reviews, things like that. Today, we are reviewing an Afghan movie called The Orphanage. Uh, I originally penned this for a, a magazine called The International Magazine, which is a uh, collection of left-wing, global, a lot of the Marxist groups in the developing world. And I was really pleased to be included in the Afghanistan issue. Thank you again. And in fact, I will thank them again in the opening paragraph of the review, which I will read to you now. I will start again this month by thanking the editors of International Magazine for this opportunity to comment critically on current and classic cinema, and in this case, for the added opportunity for self-criticism. Not to be self-centered about it, but perhaps the most important criticism of them all. When I sat down to write about The Orphanage, a film from and about Afghanistan, I made a lot of assumptions that turned out to be very wrong. It is particularly sad when you learn that I'm an American. One would hope that after 20 years at war in Afghanistan, by far our longest armed conflict, we would have learned more about the nation we occupy, but no, Google Translate won't even take the audio from Pashto and put it into text. So a lot of false assumptions abound. I had assumed that there was probably a golden age of Afghan cinema in the mid 20th century as there were in so many places, no matter how far flung they may seem to the West. It is a first, a first cinema in the nomenclature of filmmakers Solanus and Gatino, the Latin American revolutionary filmmakers we mentioned in the last episode who theorized about the revolutionary filmmaking of the third world. I had also assumed alongside this foundation there were probably examples of third cinema, think liberation cinema when we say this, as there are so many examples in Latin America, Africa, the Middle East, and all over Asia. But again, this is not the case. And finally, I assumed we would look forward to seeing how filmmakers would emerge as potential dissident voices in Afghan cinema using the Iranian wave of 90s auteurs as a useful, if severely flawed, model. Useful in terms of regional cinema history, flawed in that there is little to compare in the actual regimes in Iran and, uh, between Iran and the Taliban-led Afghanistan. But that being said, there is much to remind us of the great Iranian filmmaker Abbas Karastami in the profoundly moving and mischievous work of Sharabanu Sadat, the talented 31-year-old Afghan director behind The Orphanage. The powerful and often comedic drama bounces between ideas and genres, observational verite, deep irony, and even Hollywood musical numbers grace the screen, woven in a satisfying piece of wry and knowing nostalgia. The eclectic nature of the film tracks closely with the spotty history of Afghan cinema. Since the late 60s, native filmmaking has occurred at scale, but mostly as low-grade B-movie productions. Bollywood films formed a much larger part of the theater-going public's diet. And although Alexander the Great managed to conquer both India and Afghanistan in one fell swoop, these are 
are not the same places. And one is reminded of what it truly means to be at the periphery of development and in the crosshairs of underdevelopment as folks are in Afghanistan. Unfortunately for the Afghan filmmaking community and the nation writ large, our understanding only comes from inserting ourselves from the story. We make films in Afghanistan. It's a fabulous backdrop for so many things. In the past decades, Kandahar and even Osama, two titles likely familiar to you, as well as a slew of other well-received films less known, are in so many ways foreign-based productions, not only in the commercial sense, but also in a cinematic one. There is also, by the way, a film school for Afghan filmmakers in Iran itself. To wit, the first images the viewer sees in the orphanage are of a NASCAR-like constellation of sponsorships and associations proudly shown up front ahead of the credits. It's cosmopolitan, international, and all of those fantastic United Color of Benetton things. But it is neither the national call to action of a neoclassical Hollywood company anthem, think 20th Century Fox, or the table-setting slogan of a proper piece of liberation cinema, think Hour of the Furnaces. This seems like a small thing, but it matters. The viewer in Afghanistan doesn't know where to situate themselves in relationship to the action. And it matters because as we saw in the non-alive movement and in other successful decolonization projects, aligning international solidarity with national culture is an essential part of liberation. And the opposite is, well, the opposite. But this is naturally and necessarily true for the orphanage, which isn't constructed on a foundation of previous Afghan cinema, as much as it pays tribute to the various strands that make up Afghan cinema, Bollywood and Pashto alike. The orphanage is part of the foundation of the new Afghan cinema, and that is exciting as all hell. Sharbanu Sadat intends this to be the second of five films, all bringing the diaries of the writer Anwar Hashima to life. Five films, an audacious, ambitious, and deeply satisfying plan, considering how different and excellent the first two already are. The first was Wolf and Sheep. Following Shepherd Children in Central Afghanistan, this went into production in 2010, and yes, that made Ms. Zadat 20 years old when that film came into production, and that should fill us all with a lot of jealousy and rage. Yes, take it in. Uh, let's talk about the film itself, though. Uh, though many of the actors are the same in both films, as our hero Quadrat is quite literally the same character from before, the orphanage is more unconfined and confident than its predecessor. It swiftly takes us to an introduction to our movie-crazed, curly-headed protagonist and lands him in a Soviet-run orphanage which, with effortless exposition. Normal kid hijinks unfold in these abnormal circumstances, bullying and camaraderie in the orphanage. They go to Moscow and they get to see Lenin uh, during a trip they take. Uh, they're exploring the smoking hulk of a burnt-out tank in a sort of Pashto stand-by-me moment. It's all kind of around this youth, you know, through the eyes of the youth. The depictions of the Soviets and the Soviet Union are particularly refreshing. They are whole beings full of light and darkness, full of chess and culture with ambiguous aims and ambivalent feelings about their presence in Afghanistan. This is not the Boris and Natasha stuff that Americans have force-fed the movie going public with for almost 100 years, with a very short break in the 40s. The differences in gender relations between the Afghans and the Soviets are particularly well hinted at. We are not browbeaten with this. Uh, and as an American viewer, I was reminded that we very often lagged behind the US are in this regard and in many aspects over and over again. Beautiful moments, especially in the brightly filmed Moscow sequence and Bollywood musical breakouts, highlight the fantastic faces of Sadat's casting. These non-actors are not the blue-eyed fetish objects of Western photojournalists, but real people. 
There are also times, however, when the lack of acting chops from our leads takes one out of the film. What was appropriate in Wolf and Sheep can feel stilted in the orphanage. This isn't a Cassavetes film. It's not just observations of real behavior. We need our characters to believe not just in reality, but in this wonderful cartoon the film creates, a sort of hyper-realism. Not acting works really well with subtitles. The faces are incredible to watch, but this film demands more craft than Wolf and Sheep. And I think we see some of this fall down in the smaller acting moments. Real details, ostensibly from the diary, are packed in one, one after another in a way that gives an impression of an era, of a Kabul full of miniskirts and rock and roll. Dazed and confused can happen right here in Afghanistan, the, feels, the film seems to insist over and over again, with a sea of very cool Maradona t-shirts and crisply designed pajamas. It's too much real life in a way, just like in Bollywood. Too much real life can take you away from reality into a different kind of fantasy. And it's an instructive and interesting kind of fantasy, and so we don't mind. Uh, for instance, there is an excellent moment in the film that depicts a Sikh comrade tying his turban in front of mildly curious classmates, and it's a small moment that's beautiful and speaks volumes. But this gray area between reality and cartoons is the bread and butter of the film. If the idea is to stick with the cast through all five films, it will be great to see them expand, uh, although, of course, recent circumstances fall this into doubt. Uh, put this into doubt, rather, of course, with the fall of Kabul. Ending the film inside a Bollywood fantasy sequence is an amazing choice. I actually got chills in it. It was one of the decisions Ms. Sadat makes that convinces me that she is emblematic of a unique Afghan cinema manifesting itself. This choice would be unthinkable in Hollywood, where things must be resolved in a sober and circular manner. But only two years old, the scenes of Kabul to the Mujahideen will now forever be seen differently as we compare and contrast them with the real images of the swift Taliban takeover of Afghanistan from the U.S. propped up regime. Sharbano Sadat, no doubt on the numerous lists of troublemakers the Taliban keep, has successfully fled the country, and we join many others in rejoicing at the safety of this remarkable person. Many culture workers, however, will not be so lucky. Many will be arrested and some may die. It is not the purview of this simple, humble film review to prognosticate on the future of Afghanistan, but one thing does seem clear. Whether the future of Afghan cinema is centered on the talents of the diaspora or an internal dissonant activity, there is no question that Sadat will be a crucial pillar of it as well as a key player in it. And that's an incredible accomplishment for any male filmmaker from any time or any place. And I'm very much hoping that you will watch The Orphanage, uh, a film about taking place in and for once by the people of Afghanistan. Thanks so much. Encourage you all to watch the film, and I'll see you soon. La imagen por la cual vale la pena arriesgar la vida, sacrificarse hasta la muerte en los campos de batalla de todos los continentes del mundo. Comité, comitato, comitiet, comitato, carul, comité, we yangwe. Submit it. We're committed.